Max RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Wait, hello. Oh, we're here. <laughs> and welcome to Season 20, Episode 18 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I be Gib. And I'm Edward. And Edward, you've been on before. Uh, once before. That's right. <clears throat> and who are you, to remind the audience, who are you and what do you do that makes you uh, Probably with this group, I am one of the plot runners of the Dying Kingdom's LARP. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, just for, just so you all know, uh, tomorrow we're running two one-shots. You're running... I'm running Fantasy Age at, at 11. 11 a.m. Pacific Time. And I'm going to be running Vast Dominions, which is a moment of truth setting, at 4. So, so, all the gaming. All the gaming. All the gaming. And then, of course, on Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, uh, our L5R Saga of the Inukai Dissension. Uh, character creation. Not an actual game, but people sitting around staring at books. Our listeners <laughs> seem to enjoy those. Some of them. Some of them. Some of them do. Uh, they probably want to chat in with their character creation advice. No, you should make this plan. Right, yes. Oh, <laughs> they no, that, do like to kibitz a lot <laughs> when they're doing character creation. That that actually already happened. <laughs> I need to just check to see if I got an email to see if we have a sponsor. And I just want to make sure before we start. No. Okay. No. No. So we're sponsorless. We're, sponsorless. we're going commando today. Commando. This episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast is brought to you by viewers and supporters and listeners like you. Aww. Happyjacks.org slash Patreon. Thank you. <laughs> In this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, <clears throat> our continuing GMing tips. Rules? What rules? <laughs> uh, Galuptuous Geek asks... That's a great name. <laughs> Galuptuous. I don't know what Galuptuous means. I think he may have made that word up. Uh, ask for uh, some system selection advice. Axel from Germany writes in about some GM lessons from the mode of sin. <laughs> and Sean from Seattle writes in with a confession, a triumph. He's not really sure. Could go either way. It, I think it does. But... It could go both ways. It could. Or more, maybe more than just two ways. Mm. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the social medias. We're on tweeters, and we're on Facebooks, and we're on Instagrams. Happyjacksrpg, all one word for most of those things. You can just search for us on Facebook. You can find us. Yeah. And then if you want to watch us live, we do this show on eight at 8 p.m. Pacific time uh, on Friday nights. And that's happyjacks.org slash live which will take you to our links for the YouTube Live and for Twitch and the chat room. And we have the chat room, and the, they're there. Let me see if they're there. Do we there. have anybody in the chat room? I think we do. I wasn't looking, there. but I can. Yeah, they're there. They're there, there. Right. there. We like to thank everybody who's in the chat room and not seeing Star Wars right now. <laughs> well, the, 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 the people who aren't seeing Star Wars are in the chat room. Yeah, exactly. I like to thank them for uh, watching us instead of Star Wars. About that many. <laughs> I, I got tickets for uh, the 23rd. No. To see it. We haven't actually planned a specific date. Well, I, 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 I got bought tickets yeah, yeah. ahead of time, but I never try to get them like in the first week or two because it's like, eh. eh. Opening nights are fun if you have a big group, but it's kind of like if just you and your, whoever you're going with is like. <laughs> I, I don't like crowds. 
No, well, then you wouldn't like opening nights. <laughs> no. Uh, let's see. I think that's it. Is it it? Yes. All right. Oh, we have a game convention coming up weekend after February. February. President's February. Day weekend. President's Day weekend. President's Day weekend. Yep. LAX Hilton Hotel, strategicon.net. My games are in. So are mine. I'm running. Tra- we, we talked. I think we talked about this last week or the week before. A couple we, weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right. So right. I wanted to talk about rules, and part of this is, a, I think, is kind of a, a unique problem for what we're, because of what we do because we don't. A lot of gaming groups just play one game. Right. Mm. It's usually D and D. Yeah. Um, or Pathfinder. The, or Pathfinder. But there's also people who only play World of Darkness or. Only play GURPS or, or only right. play Hero. And for them, this is not a problem. It's not. Because, I mean, when you start out, <clears throat> when you start playing a game you've never played before, there's obviously a learning curve for the right. rules. But as you, like, when I played GURPS in college, yeah. the first 10 or 15 sessions, every couple of sessions we'd realize, oh, look, we've been doing we've something been doing wrong. This wrong. Oh, look, there's a, you're supposed to deduct how much damage you took from the last turn to everything you're going to do in the next turn. Right. We haven't been doing that. That makes sense, because people have bought high pain threshold, and we were trying to figure out what it's for. Why? It lets you ignore <laughs> that penalty. Right. And we figured these things out, and I'd read through the book, and that, I mean, back then, the GURPS book wasn't that big. It was like, it was two books, or like, that that big. Even back then, the Champions book wasn't that big. It was only about... Yeah, Wait, you, you named that now. <laughs> well, I don't I haven't the seen new one. The new one's about that thing. Is it? Okay. Yeah. But, um, I mean, when, when, for... for Groups that play a lot of different games, like we do, like we do, and especially here, it's like you know, uh, Dave just started Tales from the Loop game. And he's been reading through it, but uh-huh. it's a lot to absorb. Yeah, that quickly, and at least for me, I learn by doing. Yeah, s- s- go ahead. I've watched a couple of games of Tales mm-hmm. um, that Gina has played in, mm-hmm. um, and Gina's played it, and I've played a couple of the other free league games, and. They all kind of think the same way mm-hmm. within, you know, some limits. Not exactly the same Not exactly, system, but, but similar enough. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, they. It's it takes some some thinking about to get right. your brain around. So what I would kind of want to talk about for t- tonight is sort of like what, what's your philosophy about game rules? Because sure. I mean, clearly every table. Mm-hmm. Has a preference, right. or every gamer has a preference. There are people, that, and there's a spectrum to it. There's, there's people like I'm probably there's like fuck the rules, right? And then over here there's you, no, the rules are there for fucking reason. Must if fo- we're follow if rules. we're playing the, this game, we should be playing this game, right? Right, and mm-hmm. I, I understand. And most people fall somewhere in between. And I'm kind of I'm going to throw I'm this halfway. Uh-huh. I'm, at the halfway point, I'm leaning over towards the fuck the rules side, uh-huh. generally speaking. Do you well, feel that that's changed since when you started? Uh, like maybe because like group seems to be rules heavy. I would think. I'm going to throw this down the table and ask. So in Dying Kingdoms, uh-huh. when you come up on, you know, you're in the middle of a LARP. You've got yeah. people standing around wanting to do stuff. What do you What do you do when they want something that doesn't fall inside the rules? That 
Um, well, okay, it like doesn't fall inside the rules. Um, I mean, or inside the rules as you know them at that time. Yeah, I, I mean, you 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 make a call. Um, thankfully, you know our rules are fairly simple. Well, no, I shouldn't say simple, but we ask each player to like, know what your powers do, and then know how, and then and, like we'll deal with the, how they interact. Um, so it's rare for someone to come up with something that that. I, if I don't know the rule for it, at least I understand the setting well enough to make a call for it. I mean, it, in the end, at a LARP, you make a call on the spot and hope you're right. Um, <laughs> and then if you find out you were wrong later, maybe you go back and either decide, do I like it better this way, or do I want to you know, let me clarify now on Facebook after the game what the rule should have been. How, how much latitude do you get when you're doing something like that in, in a LARP? Um, see, I, see I, think I would say not a huge amount, because... Part of, and uh, Marie said something like this when she was here talking about her being at the tabletop. LARP rules are designed to be self uh, adjudicating to a certain extent because I'm not going to be there for every interaction. Sure. So they're pretty much designed that you know that I, if I hit you with the sword, I can call a parry and that will block it. And then if it's something you don't know, we have a call called Clarify where they only ask the person, hey, what's that weird power you just used? How does it work on me? And they can just tell you what it does and how you can defend against it. Okay. And so it's, it's you know very much kind of a rock, paper, scissors idea of like this thing, defense stops these kind of attacks um, and I kind of feel that you kind of have to stick with them as much as you can because you can't have people interpreting stuff when you're not around a different way oh sure you absolutely right. so I, I as being arguably one of the senior plot people now um, you know I'm, I have a little more leeway personally but honestly even with our NPCs we try to make even if it's some extreme power Potentially, a PC could do this if you know they were allowed unlimited experience points to buy up all these things to get there. Right. So even our most rules-breaking yeah. things were usually tangentially still within the rules uh, mm-hmm. yeah. with the stuff. I, um, I think there's a lot of corollary between that and at the tabletop because you have a have this framework, hmm. and I'm kind of a little leaning more on the by the rules right. side myself, um, but not all the way mm-hmm. into that. I think if we're going to play this game, we should use these rules right. as much as possible. Um, now, that's well, let, 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 before you start, let me just say, unlike the other like gaming uh, uh, tips things that we've given, which have really been more about best practices, mm-hmm. this is almost one hundred percent opinion. Yeah. So yeah, what we're we're not saying this is how you right. Do, this this, this is, is how you have right fun. Me. Yeah. Right. This is works for right. me. Um, and I made notes because you know, you of know course, me. you know me. <laughs> um, because one of the questions you specifically asked is, what are my thresholds for when I look up rules? Right. When I stop the game to look up a rule. Right. Basically, if a character's going to die, mm-hmm. if I get this wrong. Oh, sure. Or right. um, if a character is going to be permanently impaired, if mm-hmm. I get this wrong, then I will stop what's going on to find out right. what the actual rule says. But if it's not going to do one of those two things... I will probably make a decision in the moment, and we'll just go with it. Right. Use other rules that you know to kind of inform your decision yeah. or whatever. Right. You know, I know that most of the time in, you know, I'm going to use D&D 5e as my example. Most of the time in D&D 5e, most things fall into one of three categories, assuming you're not, you know, fighting something. You know. Right. Um, and roll a d20, add a thing to it, and have a pretty stable set of DCs for right. things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty simple to fab, a, a, fab up a rule. It's that way with most games, I think. Because, yeah. I mean, in most cases, you've got some kind of resolution mechanic. And you can gauge, if someone wants to do something that's just completely outside of the 
purview of the rules, but obviously they something they can do. Right. You just you, you figure out what s- skill is necessary or whatever. Right. As someone who spent the last couple of years delving into game design and how you design a game, um, I've come to the conclusion that most game designers, the first thing they want is, I want one thing that basically does the moving moving parts for the whole game. Exactly. And I yeah. don't want to I don't want to deviate from that. Right. Right. And I mean there's a lot of good reasons for that. And there's a <laughs> lot of good reasons for that. It, it makes it a lot easier to write things. Right. If you want to add stuff to it, you already have your resolution mechanic and it's the same for everything. Right. Well, like in, in <coughs> D&D and, and Pathfinder, um, one of the, probably the smartest thing they ever did with that game system was make everything hinge on a D20 mm-hmm. and everything is is basically 10 up. Right. You know, so that everything fits basically in the same scale mm-hmm. and it's always the same basic mechanic. Well, the one thing I'd love, the, one of the simplifications they did with 5th edition that I think was probably one of the smartest things they did was to get rid of the plus one, minus one die modifiers uh-huh. at infinitum, which is, I, I think, a, a, a fair criticism of GURPS, because GURPS has mm-hmm. a shit ton of them. Well, if you've ever seen the the flowchart of how to adjudicate all the things that go into a combat role in GURPS, it's... You know, yeah, <laughs> big and the little symbols are this big, and that's that's <laughs> fan made. That's not right. That's uh, and it, that, that, I, I really actually think that's kind of does a disservice to the. Uh, I, to I people such, see that. This and go, is oh fuck. This is actually <laughs> one of the places where I think Hero System has a little bit of a, an edge on GURPS in that there's not all that vagary. No. There's not all that this maybe then that and this other thing and over there. It's like no no no. You figure out all of that to get to one of these two numbers. Right. You roll 3d6, beat that number. Right. And you're, you know. <laughs> the, the, but the, the, the thing that I that I like what they did in 5th edition is now they have the advantage-disadvantage thing. I love advantage-disadvantage. Which, are you familiar yeah, with uh, that? Yeah, vaguely. I played like maybe two sessions of it, and I do have the books. But it, yeah. make, it makes it really simple, because instead of having to worry about whether there's all these pluses and all these minuses, you got, if, if there's one thing that gives you advantage... You have advantage. If something else gives you disadvantage, it balances out. You have nothing. Yeah. And if there's more of one or the other, you don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You just roll a freaking die. Right. And if you have multiple things giving you advantage and multiple things giving you disadvantage, which one is there more of? That's what you have. I don't think yeah. that's the way, that's not rules as written. I, I think thought it was. It, no, I think if, if correct me if I'm wrong, chat room, but I believe mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if there's if there's if, if if something any amount of things give you advantage or disadvantage, there's neither. Huh? Because I, I maybe I'm wrong, and I. It's been admit, a long time since it's I played. been a while since I yeah. played Fifth Edition, and um, I really wasn't paying that close attention. Right. But I thought it was if you have more of one than the other, then you get that one, and so. that's and we're done. I don't think so. But I, 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 maybe maybe they changed something. Oh, Bakamusha says I'm right. Okay. He, he plays a lot of D20. I will. I will totally and, stand on and that. that. And that and that to me, it's like. You, don't worry about it. If yeah. you, if they, as long as you, if you have one of each, all of these things are irrelevant. Yeah, just roll just the dice. We're out the door. Roll the dice. Right. Um, I like. I think, in a lot of ways, I think fifth edition is far and away the most elegant of the D and D editions. Yeah. Um, I agree. And, and there are. And when I want that type of game, that's the game I want. Mm-hmm. Is because it's it's it works. Yeah. And that's really my first criteria for any any rule set is. It, I just want it to work. Right. 
So let's go, getting back to the whole threshold thing on when you when you uh, look up the rules or something like that. Mm-hmm. The thing I noticed with when we were playing the the vampire game, which we played thirty eight sessions mm. of it by the time, because it just ended yeah week or two, week, or two week ago, ago, two weeks ago maybe. But I, let me let me bring up my my one note thing. I, I had gone through because I knew it was going to be a problem. Mm. Every power is its own rule system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. every discipline. <laughs> uh, yeah, discipline. Sorry, and and, uh, and so I went through and I looked at all of the player characters' disciplines, the disciplines they had or ones that they could have that they didn't like. Mm-hmm. If they only if they pumped up two and ignored a third, you know. Um, and I went through and I cut and pasted from one dot to five dots because I knew we weren't going to go over that. Right. Um, into into my into my one note. And it's un- I don't even know where I put it. It's under it's I, I have it under heading like selected rules, and I have initiative, and, and that my little cheat sheets are in this order: initiative, uh, melee maneuvers, and range maneuvers. How damage works, mm-hmm. how damage is healed, right? And then disciplines, and then I list all the disciplines that we had. And I think there's probably ten that I ended up copying over, and I have one through. Right. Uh-huh. The thing you had a good clan variety, so it sounds like you'd have all the major ones. <laughs> uh, well, I, there were some I had for NPCs as well. Oh yeah, because I, I had I had the uh, uh, what's uh, obtenebration? Yeah, that's the little somber one, right? right. That's the darkness. I had the that darkness for <laughs> the party would never went where the somber guy was. They were too scared, so uh, <laughs> rightly so they were terrified of of just the notion of dealing oh. with. Okay. Oh yeah! At all? Oh yeah! Um, so, I'm not current on those. <laughs> as, as much fun as I find Vampire to play, dealing with the books drives me insane. Oh the, yeah! Because they're beautiful, mostly. There are some that I just look at and go, "Why did you make those cho- those graphical choices?" But anyway. Um, oh yeah, especially the mage books. Well, the old the uh, New World mage book. It's unreadable. It's white with gold print. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, great. That's Ouch. great. Okay. In the sunlight, it's invisible. It's invisible. It's a <laughs> you have to be a mage to read this book. But I gotta get, have to get like lemon juice or and a candle. This, or maybe you need to make a black light. You know, if you don't. Uh, now I, I will say I do want to play. I want to play mage really badly. I would like I to. Really want to. I want to play with a GM who knows it really well. And I, I know it. one guy. I don't. The, I don't either. I know one guy that. Um, if he will run it, and he refuses so far, but if he would run it, I would play. Yeah. Um, but um, so, but because of the way the rules for Vampire are set up, where like everything is its own little microcosm of stuff, the the underlying mechanic works the same way. You have a number yes. of dots in an, in an attribute. You have a number of dots in a thing. Mm-hmm. Roll that many dice. Exactly. And you're looking for a number that the GM tells you you're looking for. Right. Um, That's kind of the nice thing about New World because they've. The they've, target number stays the same, right? Yeah. It's like eight, nine, ten, or something. Yeah, well, I, yeah, seven, I think, was higher, or is it eight? Maybe. It, I, I think remember. it's hi, it's eight, eight or higher. Eight or higher. I'm, oh. That's what I recall from playing Requiem. But um, it's just knowing how the different abilities fit together mm-hmm. and, and how to use those to make a cohesive character. Right. I find to be really difficult, and you know. I freely, willingly play hero given the opportunity. So it's not like complexity is a, an issue right. for me. And it, and I'm not saying it's a bad game because it's not. It's a good game. 
It's just the way the books are written makes it hard for my brain to fit those pieces together. Right. And, and, and I think New World did a much better job of presenting the rules back when it was two separate books, when there was a core book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was, here's the, all the stuff that you add on to the right. mortal well, character. We are digressing from our, from kind our, of are. our topic we again. Kind of are. Um, another but, point I wanted but, to make. But, but, Go but, ahead. Back to the whole threshold thing. The reason I ended up making this cheat sheet uh-huh. is so I didn't have to go and look through the book. Right. Because I have I bring it up as a selected rules, uh, fortitude. How many dot? Well, fortitude, there's, you don't have to worry about dots. Uh, so, celerity. God damn it, I picked the wrong no, one. No, uh, Aspects. Aspects. Here Aspects. we go. Aspects. Oh, four dots. Well, let's see. Find system, player rules, intelligence, plus sub- subterfuge. Difficulty is the subject's willpower. And it's right here in front of me going like right that. There. And I can... And, and like... Yeah. Um, I want to say Riley. Sam, her character used, of course, in these aspects all the time. Neither of us could remember what, which two, which skill slash attribute you're mm-hmm. supposed to add together, and right. and plus the 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 target numbers changed for every dot. They're different, like like the um, uh, what, what did she call it? The, the laying a grope on something. Laying a grope on somebody. Uh, spirit touch. Like, it's like a psychometry. <laughs> Or I don't, I don't even remember what it was. Was it not heightened sense? Our perception. It was our perception. Difficulties eight, I think. Yeah. And it's like difficulty six for almost everything you do, but not this thing. Right. No. This one's eight, and it wasn't until like the last couple of sessions that I just happened to still to start to it. remember that. Oh yeah. no, I remember it's eight, and she's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, another point where I will will go to the books mm-hmm. is if. A character has a particular ability, and I'm not sure how that ability works. Right. But I, I have a universal answer for that particular question. Here's the book. You find it, and let me know, and I'll get back, to, and we'll deal with that when you find out. Right. And, you know, then I'll go on with other things while they're looking it up. Because, you know, kind of like you were saying, I assume the players are going to know what their thing does. Yes. So as a player in a Pathfinder game, I was in while I was doing a cleric, and so what I would do is like in the combat round, I was going around, I'd get the book and I'd find the spell I wanted to use, and I'd look it over. So when it came to me, like, okay, I'm doing this spell, this is how it works. In case you don't remember, right? right. And I would, I, I mean, would know it. And yeah. most of them in you know D and Pathfinder are pretty straightforward about what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some of them. Was like, wait, what does that do again? <laughs> especially the especially like the spells that have. Yeah, a nondescriptive name. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Like Osric's mighty tug. I don't know. I don't know what that does. <laughs> well, <laughs> I look that, that up. That, that's. Uh, yeah. I want to look that one up because that just sounds. No, boring. yeah, that sounds that like a forgotten realms boring. porn site. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's from Fatal. I don't know. Uh. But but it, anything I can do to I hate I fucking. hate Hate opening up books during the game. Yeah, I do too. The only time I op- I don't mind opening up books during the game is like, oh, they're going to fight something, and I didn't write down the stats for it, monster manual or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or uh, this guy's got a weapon. Okay. That's that's one of the reasons why I love electronic devices because I have all my books on this device. Right. So if I need to look up something about a monster, I can get to it. Right, and most games now searchable PDFs have searchable PDFs, or they have an SRD Mm -hmm. online that you can go to, which is even more going to be even faster to look through as well. Yeah, it doesn't have all the graphics. Um, But you know, like you, I would in most cases I would prefer to just make a call and go with it. 
Mm-hmm. And if we find out later that that we were wrong, if it didn't adversely affect a player character, right? Let's let it ride. I'd even go a little farther than that. For me, it's like, did that did that adjudication in, in the in the case of combat? Did that adjudication change the result of the combat? Right. I don't really care if your character ended up taking eight points of damage. If you took than damage, six. but you walked yeah. away from it. We're going to go on our way. Yeah. yeah. But but it, it changed the course of the fight. But even if it changed the course of the fight, my my tendency is to say, okay, like, we're, we're, very often what will happen is someone at the table will uh, insist uh, on looking it up. And I'll say, well, we're going to do this for now until we get get around to it. And then if we need to retcon something, right. a turn back, we'll go ahead and do that. The only time that becomes a problem is if somebody gets a case of deads. Oh sure, yeah. And it's situa- like we had a um, we had the situation um, when Stork's character got attacked by Guru. Yeah, and uh, we thought he was dead, and his character was down because he he had taken ag damage mm. all the way to the end. All the boxes were filled up. Yeah, and we start looking, and 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 we're like, oh, his character's dead. And the chat room actually said, no, I think you need to take mo- one more point. I think you need to take one more, one more pass inca- in cap past inca- in, in, incapacitated, and we're like, oh shit! And, I, and and we didn't actually figure that out because no one can give us a page number, so we can actually look at it ourselves. In a situation like that, when you're when the character's going to die, absolutely, yeah, that, yeah. that should you, you play it as clearly by the book as you possibly can. Yeah. And also, if you like to hide your dice rolls, if you get into that situation, I would counsel not hiding your dice rolls anymore. Mm. Just let it. I don't hide my dice rolls at all <coughs> anymore. The only time I hide dice rolls is if the players wouldn't know the result of something, like or if perception it, check or something, right? Which is fair. I, I'm not disagreeing right. with that. I, I'm I'm to the point now where I just um, right. throw well, them out in front of everybody. Well, that, I mean, when I GM, yeah, this is where I roll. Yeah, if they want to see what I'm rolling, it's right here, it's right there. Unless you know, I've got too much shit, then I set it over here, and Kimmy looks at it. Yeah, I say. Hey, look! I got all successes because yeah. that happened well, the last few times. There. Wednesday night in our Spaniards Ghost game, I had Kurt was like, "I'm out of bennies," and I'm like, "I started rolling damage." I was like, "I rolled and I picked up a die and I rolled it again and I picked up a die and I rolled oh, it no. again." Oh <laughs> no! Die and I rolled it again and I picked up a die and I rolled it again. And I said, "What's your toughness?" And he told me, "I said, you have eight wounds." <laughs> Did you kill his like, character? Uh, incapacitated him, but he survived with a permanent injury. Okay, all right. Because there's a table or there's something. There's a table. Right. Because in Savage Worlds, if you get incapacitated, you make a vigor check at minus... And, and interestingly enough, he had eight wounds, but the maximum penalty is minus three. Right. So he rolled and happened to roll a two. You have to have a, have a one or a zero. You have to have less than one right. to die. Right. Okay. So it's like, okay. That's close. So I discovered when I was younger, I would hide the rolls. And I discovered I was too nice to my players that way and that I'd be too scared to hurt them. <laughs> See, and so most I realized, of the time like, I ever fudged rolls, it was, it was almost always in the players' To help favorite. them. And yeah. so I found like, you know something, I'm going to start putting it in front of people because then I have to be honest about it. And it's like... Right. Sorry, I feel bad, but there, so you yeah, can see I, it, and then I, that's part of the reason I do it is because I'm I am guilty of being too nice to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gina has called me on it more than you know mm-hmm. a couple of times. Like you know, no, no, you you were too nice to us there. You were not right. Uh, you were not hard enough on us. Well, there. I mean, it, players, agree, players, most players are going to agree with this. 
every bit as much as most GMs do. A victory that is hard fought and earned is way more sweet than a victory that involved the, the GM pulling punches. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Every time. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they know that they did it. It wasn't you being soft on them. So, I, yeah, I, in situations like that, when you get into you know, high-risk situations like combat in a game, mm-hmm. I, I'm... I'm a big fan of just, you know, let, let's do it as, as close to the rules as we possibly can, especially when, you know, hit points and stuff start getting really low and it's yeah. going to really start to matter. Oh, yeah. I, but, I absolutely agree. But the, I mean, that's one of the reasons, kind of this kind of a side thing, but one of the reasons, moment of truth, I cha- I, the, there's, there's two ways you can, you can have a character die. One is they go to negative health. Right. And the other one is the player just makes the determination. That they're dying. My character's taken too much damage at this point, and he's died, or she's died. Right. So, And then when you make that determination, every other player at the table gets gets bonus moments of truth. Right. Like three each. Right. So it's like, oh my God, they killed Kenny, you bastards! <laughs> ah! You know, that oh, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, I, I have... I was actually... Which game was it? Where I was like, I, I am totally ready to be dead. Right. Um... And I ended up somehow not dying. I don't remember what it was. But anyway, um, going back to our Spaniards Ghost game, for, the game previous had been the facey-face game where they're talky-talky-talky with everybody and they were missing their face play, their face character because <laughs> Joey wasn't here. Last night was literally the very first thing we did was I handed out initiative cards. Right. They were missing their fighter. Oh no! They're missing their their, <laughs> their killer. Their killer. So I was like, "Yeah, let's be interesting." Had three of the four who who were present had wounds before the end of the game. <laughs> now, what are you doing for um, help of players in that? Um, what I've decided to do with those is you get a a die type bump. Oh, so okay. if you have a d six in something and you have help a player, you get a d eight for that roll. You could just have them spend it and just upgrade the wild die too. Yeah, you can do that. Or whatever. I, I'm iffy about um, altering the wild die because oh, there's a the math is pretty specific. And there's also about that. there's a specific thing that bumps yeah. that too. There's an edge that does that. Yeah. Now, what about um, when you do a house roll? Because for me, it's like if I'm going to do a house roll, I'm like, okay, this is how we're going to do it for now. It stays that way for the rest of that session. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go in the dig up in the rules, or yeah. between sessions, I'll go into the rules and I'll, yep. and I'll say okay. And then the next session, I'll say okay, we, we did it wrong last time. Wolf, We're wolf. not changing any of that, but that all happened. This is how it's going to happen for now. On. Yep. Because I, I think as long as you're consistent in yeah. the session, I mean, yeah, that's that makes sense. You yeah. don't change rules in the middle of the game, and. With the DK thing, it's interesting because it is essentially Jesse wrote the game. It is our rule set, so we can go in and change what the official rules are if we've decided something doesn't work right, right? Um, you know, with his approval or his consultation. Yeah. Uh, but still, same thing. You don't you do that in between games, and then you post like a clarification, like, okay, guys, just to clarify how this rule should work. Like one rule we had to clarify, uh, we decided to clarify recently was the disarm rule because mm-hmm. basically, you could, if you get hit with a disarm call, you're supposed to drop the weapon you're holding. But it wasn't defined as to how long you had to let it go, and so it was an issue where sometimes people would, be, would like drop the weapon and then almost immediately be reached down to grab it, like before it even hit the ground. Right. And it's like you gotta like give us three seconds, you know, you gotta let it hit the ground and like give it a three count before you go reaching for it. Because the reality, if this was a real fight, 
if it had been knocked out of your hand, you'd have been surprised, like, oh shit, I dropped my sword, and it would take you a second to figure out where it is to go get it. Right. But in the LARP, what happens is you, you hit the call, so your brain has that second of processing, oh, I should drop my sword now because it's a call. Yeah. And by the time you do that, you know you're dropping your sword, and you already know where it's going to land and where you're going right. to grab it from, and it's not as realistic. Yeah. I'm dropping my sword. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you are allowed to catch it, but, then, but there were times where people were like, hey, you know, and you, the adrenaline's running, you're hyped up. So, like, shit, my sword. So, as soon as you're dropping, you're going for it as quick as you can. It's like, no, you need to hit the, let it hit the ground. Give it three seconds so that the person who called it now has a chance to actually swing at you without your sword in your hand. Right. You know, otherwise, yeah. it's not really fair. But yeah, that was like okay. a. Now, another thing I will say on this point is if we make a decision in the moment and then we figure out that now the rule actually says something else, if, it, if it's a thing that worked for what we're doing, we might keep it. Yeah. We might keep it. Because, um, you know, for that game, why not? If it, if the, that rule change works for what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, particularly if it's an I'll allow something to to happen in a circumstance where it might the rule doesn't specifically say it can. Right. Um, for example, uh, in our Sturmgeist game years ago, um, Molly's character had telekinesis, right? Um, and so she would pick things up and throw them mm-hmm. at bad guys. Right. Um, and the rules are pretty specific that you're not really supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, <clears throat> why not? Right. Why not? You know, if she can make the role to pick up the thing and motivate it, it's like you got to make because you got to make a couple of rolls to make that happen. You've got to make. Fair. You've got to yeah. succeed on the on the power, and you've got to succeed and with enough successes to lift the thing you're trying to lift. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to make a throwing roll. To hit it, right? Hit to hit the thing that you want to hit, um, and then at best it's an improvised weapon. Mm-hmm. And the only time I deviated from that was at one point she picked up a big slab of rock and dropped it on some Nazis. Right. Well, gravity helps. The Nazi damage bonus. It's a Nazi <laughs> damage bonus because you know who doesn't like punching Nazis. Uh, all right. Well, I, th- I think that's. I don't know. I, I'm any, any other. You have any other? Well, the, the one I'll think of is. Um, so, like I said, we you know with DK sometimes runs tabletops, and one of the things we do is we have they call them widgets, but it's like bennies or something like that. There's little tokens you get. You start with three, but you can earn more for good role play mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple rules of when you can spend them. But one thing I also like to use is if you do something that maybe is exactly covered, because like say we don't have an athletic skill, but someone wants to climb a wall. It's like, well, okay, you know, your character there is a hidden tree about climbing a wall, but you obviously don't have that. Um, give me a benny, and I'll say you can get away with it. You know, yeah. You know? oh, okay. So, right. so I use those for when I'm not sure what the call would be, and there's instead of making a roll, it's like you got. Any sure, and then your, I'll let your character with difficulty scramble up the wall. You know, right. won't be graceful, but you get up there. <laughs> now, let me ask you because this is something that I, I found interesting. Uh, Dying Kingdoms, that's the LARP that has where the, there's like a basic rule set that everyone kind of knows, but a player's guide and a marshal's guide, yeah. But there's also there's a lot of rules that a new player coming in won't know unless they they're learning it from other yeah. characters. Correct? Is that, correct? That, that, that is correct. That is the Marshall guy. The so there's stuff that you don't even know that you could learn. Yeah. Until someone happens to 
to, to, to do it or you see it in game and yeah and I know that the initial concept way back when was that you know people this is what people commonly know about is what's in the player's guide but then you could learn cool secrets and then learn special abilities or advanced schools and of course these advanced fighting schools aren't going to tell you their secrets but you can go learn sure. them and research them and nowadays enough players have played through that they kind of know a lot of the stuff that's in the Marshall's Guide already but still you know we have sort of a discovery factor of like okay that's, you wanna... kinda, that's really cool that's a really neat idea it, yeah it also helps with just um, I mean I mean there's some people who don't like it because some people want to plan their spends especially with us having a retirement cap they want to know what they're going to do where and have the whole thing mapped out yeah. so it doesn't appeal to that group as much because they want to know ahead of time what's going to be there right but in that respect if they ask hey can you give me some hints as to what kind of fighting schools would do this and we'll, we'll drop hands we'll tell them enough to get them a rough idea right uh, but yeah the, um, but yeah it's it's I li- we like the idea of part of what you can do is you want to learn fighting skills and do a research in your downtime and we'll send you some leads and here's you know a brief blurb of some fighting schools that are in your culture and then you can go further and research those and try to learn those mm-hmm. yep and then how much of that discovery happens like in game in the narrative um I would say they probably hear of it uh, in the narrative, like at a game, but then the actual like learning what the powers are more often happens in a downtime. Okay, you, you you get like between games, you get a downtime action, and you can do research with it. And so like I've I've heard about the Drakengard School. I want to do research and learn what that is. I just well, know okay, the that makes players. sense. That, but you, know? you didn't know, but if you didn't know that this thing even existed, yeah. And and one thing we try to do, like I sometimes PCs just learn from other PCs because there's players who have been in game and in character know things and they can explain them. Um, but sometimes what we we'll try to do is, okay, I know this character's looking to out of character get into something like this. Let's send in an NPC who knows about this stuff and can be shown off. Or like mm-hmm. I'm here, like you, I'm here from the Dragon Guard. We are master dragon slayers, and, and you know wants to get into dragon slaying, and then you can right. start researching uh, th- them and try to give them bits and information. So it is a communication where hopefully they've told us, you know, what they're looking to do with their character, and then we can drop. Uh, uh, hints at them is like here's a direction you can take it in. Like another Marie who's just starting out, like talked about her idea of wanting to basically be a cook, and like, well, there is this Al- uh, Alberian cooking school that has never been used in game, but it's this, <laughs> it is, it is seriously it takes up like four or five pages in the Marshall's Guide because it has a list of ingredients, and these ingredients, if you have the special school, give you buffs. <laughs> and oh, so no it is kidding. literally like well, one of the only schools in the game where you, if you're master of it, you can actually combine two real food ingredients. And the idea is you have to have these actual food with these ingredients in it to give people in game, and then they. they <laughs> Get a buff from having your snacks, <laughs> and and it's. Um, Do you allow, allow substitutes for food allergies or no? You're oh yeah, well, I mean, I mean, there are. I would, say, I mean, I would say there there are a number of powers that are duplicated. Like if if you can't have peanuts, well, there's another power, another food element that'll have the same power. Okay. Like, it's a long list. Like <laughs> I, I so think funny. Jesse like spent forever just writing up about this and this and this and this and it just way back when wrote it up. And so hopefully she'll start going that route because it'd be nice to see it in game. She wants to bring cool. cheeses and things. And, and uh, is, are there any other undiscovered? Do you may not want to say are there un- other undiscovered schools? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's stuff that people haven't. Uh, there, or there might be ones that people maybe discovered way back, but no one currently has. Oh, okay, you know. But yeah, there's oh, like there, players played for a while and left. Yeah, and the knowledge yeah. And, 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 yeah, I mean, there, there are stuff like, but like even like the magic. Like we put the first two orders of spells, but the higher order spells are all in the marshal's guide. So even mm-hmm. if you are a fire invoker, which is a standard invoker, you start off only really knowing about the first two levels of spells. You got to do your research in advance to find out what the higher level spells can do. Right. And oh, uh, uh, um, Will H is in the. Oh yeah. Huggins, Will H was on our platform for a while. Uh, he, he said that that has been used. In the it has been used uh-huh. Ed. Paul Tevis had it for Marcus. Oh, Paul Tevis had it. <laughs> yeah, Paul Tevis never gave me any Paul snacks. Paul Tevis, of course. Paul, well, well, oh, that's, well, that's, that's where the joke like licking the stone came from. Um, 
So in my very first game uh, as my second character before coming to the plot team, um, we go on this uh, this thing where we're going down into a mine to figure out what's wrong with this this strange dominion. There's some weird rocks, and so some they've painted these rocks with little green flecks. And my character's background, oh, he came from mining town. You know, he's kind of a blue collar worker thing. He's going to discover something about himself. Goes in there and picks it up, and it's like, well, congratulations, you have deviant iron poisoning, and deviant iron is essentially our version of uranium. Right. <laughs> and but the Paul Tevis, who had the chef school, means he can taste things to test them out. <laughs> And he's like, Lee licked the stone. And like, well, you got a tune. <laughs> Congratulations. We're dying of cancer together. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we eventually got cured, but you know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a really cool idea that, that, that there's all of this like, sort of tribal knowledge yeah. within the game that people have to kind of discover that discover. it even exists. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's a really brilliant idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mail. Mail. Uh, oh, help me, wise and mighty douchebags from Galuptuous Geek. Hello, 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 you wonderful bags of genital cleansing freedom. I'm emailing today to ask for some critical advice. My gaming group is currently neck deep in an L5R campaign that f- that's filled with political intrigue, honor, loss, and some of the greatest player and NPC interactions I've ever seen. We love the game. In fact, it was my love for L5R that directed me to your podcast for the <clears throat> first place many moons ago. It has been my that, that this being said, my group has a very diverse taste in games. There's an ellipses there. Has a very dot 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 diverse <laughs> taste in games. Uh, we've been looking for our new genre to step into uh, that we haven't tried before, and uh, that has a good system behind it. Our group is made up of both role-playing heavy people and stat monkeys. Uh, the balance has worked for us so far. Whilst enjoying an evening as friends, we decided to watch some movies to pass the time while one of our players was out of town for the weekend. This is when it happened. The movie was John Wick. About 15 minutes, whoa, into the movie, we had... I don't know if he says well in John Wick. I don't think he does. My Um, my issue with this, of course, everyone knows John Wick, the game designer, so I first hear this movie of John Wick and the exciting tale of writing L5R. Right! <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he's gotten a bump in sales. Like, oh, it's written by John Wick. Is That's that guy for the, the dog. <laughs> is it John Wick? John Wick is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Spoilers. John Sorry. Wick would be very happy to get a bump in sales because of the movie. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, about 15 minutes into the movie, we all had the same thought. We had to play a, a game like this: action, martial arts, guns, secret assassin societies, guns, betrayal, guns, and blood, gore, and you guessed it, guns. It only got better from there. As I binge-watched the entire 13-episode first season of The Punisher on Netflix in a single day, you know, college life and all, um, I've done that on weekends. I've watched a a whole 10 or 12... Yeah, Yeah, but that's a weekend. (laughs) That's true. I once, uh, when Heather took the kids up to Northern Fair, Mm. and she had gotten me, like, three DVD box sets of 24. <laughs> you can't not binge that show mm. because every episode is a, a huge fucking cliffhanger, right? Yeah. And it's like adrenaline, 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 adrenaline. I guess see what happens next. Next episode, and and I, I I probably got nine hours of sleep on the entire weekend when she was gone because I was I watched. Well, let's see. I can figure out exactly how much I watched. I watched, I think, almost two full seasons. Because it's 
24 episodes, and they're about 42 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. It would, it, yep. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I mean, it's a fun show, but it's not, like, amazing. It's not mind-blowing, but it is fun. Yeah. Anyway, um, Friends with 15 Minutes, Gore, Blessed, Binge Watch, and Single Day, College Life. I took it to the vast forums of the Internet to find a system that could accommodate such glorious undertakings of hyper-violent carnage, feng shui, definitely feng shui. It's feng shui or nothing. Feng shui, feng shui, feng shui. Yes. Um, well, that's kind of what it is. It's like a wire-foo game. Yeah. What it's it's totally to a wire-foo game. I haven't got to play it yet, but I own it. I own the second edition of it, and mm-hmm. I want to play it. I don't... I would not pick it for what they're talking about here. Right. Uh, the forums were filled end-to-end with more of the same. I looked into the system that I had not heard of, that I had not heard of before. Uh, while it might seem like what I'm looking for after reading much of the book, it is, in fact, not. The action is too ridiculous. And the stunts, not reasonable. A great game, I'm sure, but not quite what we're looking for. I know where this is going. Then I found it. A golden nugget of wisdom from of the highest caliber. That's right, Stu. You can stop squirming in your chair, holding back your desire to blurt out those sweet words, almost erotic, five letters of pure ecstasy, GURPS. Yeah! I had found it. This is the system that can support my violent, unquenched bloodlust. I'm currently reading up on the game's fourth edition. This is where I need your help. I implore. Nay, I beseech thee, O sweet, merciful, and just douchebags. How in the bloody hell do I run this game without getting it in over my head? Are these rules... Are there rules I should ignore? Or are there house rules that should... I should add to save my game from a failure of apocalyptic proportions. Is there even a better system out there for this game I have in mind? What source books do I need to acquire to support this? Uh, this game has an unruly, is an unruly beast of a system with more content than anyone ever asked for. Guide me in my quest to GM my righteousness, my righteous. Quest. quest of violence and death. Have a drink and discuss. So. Okay. So, well, I'll break your gonna... arm, you say, <laughs> savage worlds. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> An appropriate email for our prior discussion on rules, and he's literally asking about which No, no, no. I'm just going to say that I assume you already have the basic, the, the first couple of books, the character book and, and Yeah, whatnot. the adventure book. Okay. Yeah. The next book you need to buy is How to Be a GURPS GM by our very own Warren Mook Wilson. Yeah, that would, that's a good idea. You, mu- you, you need this book. That's all I'm going to say is you must have this book. Because, and, and then, while you're reading this book, go out to themook.net where he has all manner of examples and... Combat walkthroughs. Combat walkthroughs. combat walkthroughs are fantastic. Um, and he, like, says, here's the complete rule set. Here is a melee combat. Here, or, no, right. We're going to go through step by step. and explain. Here's the basics. Here's, we're going to add some parts to it. Now we're going to add some more parts to it. Now we're going to add some more parts to it. Um, but he pairs down running GURPS to the, the things you must know. Yeah. Um, you know, he makes it so that even I could run GURPS and I'm an imbecile. So The... Um, the, the um, if I recall correctly, the organization of the books, book one, the back of book one has sort of like basic combat. Uh-huh. I would suggest starting with that. If you're gonna, if you want to, if you can chop it up a bit, play the game. You want to play the game. Start with that, and then after you've played a session, 
start reading through the advanced combat rules, which is like roughly the first third of book two. Yeah. That's where you get into hit locations, uh, different kinds of different damage types, how those damage types multiply against whatever the hit hit location is. How armor takes off of things. uh, That's in the basics. I thought there was more precise information about armor. No, um... The only, uh, I think what, they used to say that thrusting weapons, they might still do this, like chainmail, he's not going to even need that, because in the game, kind of game he's playing, but, but, but chainmail for thrusting weapons either is, uh, either DR is ignored or it's reduced by an amount or something like that, but they've added, so they, see in the old days, you only had three types of damage right. that you could do. In GURPS, first, second, and third editions, you had impaling, cutting, and crushing. Those were the three kinds of damage. Yep. If you had, if you get, if someone was doing impaling damage, there was a reduction in the damage. The, the, the damage reduction of chainmail was reduced because if you have something very sharp and you're sticking it inside mm-hmm. of someone, it's it's not going to be as effective as hitting them with a a stick. Well, okay. So, Mail is designed to turn a cutting edge into a blunt instrument. Right. Okay, that's what it's designed for. That said, depending on the weave, that may not necessarily be true, and it depend and part of it depends on what they're stabbing you with. Um, I know this to be fact because I had a buddy who. Well, there were in GURPS, you have to specify and pay more if you're you, if you have a thrusting sword rather than a because re- regular swords didn't didn't come to a point. That's fair. That's fair. But um, I had a buddy who purchased a shirt of riveted mail, flat wire, um, the closest to historical mail mm-hmm. you can find nowadays, um, shirt, mail shirt, to wear in combat. He wanted to get used to carrying the weight of it, mm-hmm. so he was wearing it underneath his clothes. Mm-hmm. He comes out of... Like you do. Like you do. Why not? He comes out of work, downtown mm-hmm. Atlanta, Georgia. Um, on his way to his car, three guys decide to mug him. Mm-hmm. He decides he doesn't want to be mugged, so he you know, lays into them. Dust up, a couple, guy, couple of guys run. He puts one of them down, a couple of guys run away. Please get there. They're talking. The cop looks around behind him and goes, what? Reaches around behind him and plucks the switchblade out of his back. How, f- how deep was the switchblade? Well, the thing is, he never didn't even know he'd been that the guy had stuck him. Did he actually stick him? Yeah, well, it was hung in the mail. No, no, no but it, it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't penetrate okay. to him. It so, did not penetrate okay. to him. That's fine. The guy made a low damage roll. Well, and, it, and it, his. That's <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that the premise of the of male doing less defense by virtue of the fact that you're stabbing someone with a point. I'm not entirely kosher with. Right, you know? it, but we don't we don't know what what that uh, attack that, I, looked I, like. Yeah, I kind of feel like with with a switchblade, he may not have had a lot of weight behind it because exactly. it's one thing if I shoot you with a twenty pound bow and an arrow, or if a sixty five pound bow and an arrow. That is that is absolutely a fair cup. But the part of the story I find entertaining is I want to see the look on that guy's face when he stabbed <laughs> Stabbed him, him and nothing <laughs> happened. Nothing happened. Like, <laughs> you ran the fuck away. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually kind of great. But, Fuckers wearing chainmail. Get the fuck out of here. But, but get, getting back to what I was saying about damage. In 4th edition, one of the things they did that is kind of a bummer is there's now like eight different kinds oh, yeah. of damage. Oh, 
there's piercing, there's piercing plus, there's piercing plus plus, there's crushing, there's and, and but now they've also included all of the different hazards. So there's like fire damage and mm. uh, yeah. acid damage, and all of those things have different things that happen when they interact with different. Now colors. something that male is going to do absolutely bubkiss to mm-hmm. protect you from is crushing damage. Right. You know, if you hit someone with a hammer, a, a you know something that's basically clo- you know cloth is not going to do them any good. No. No. None whatsoever. So, but I would start with the basic rules, and you're, and the fact that is you're playing a modern game, you're not going to need to worry about armor. Well, they've got Kevlar, because that's one of the things that's it's yeah. key in the movies is that he buys these suits that have Kevlar right. inserts and but whatnot. But you're not going to have to get into the minutia of all these other weird esoteric. Kinds that's true. That's true. And 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 you're going to be able to with the basic rules. Run a, a combat as long as it doesn't get too granular, and people are like, "Oh no, I want to like, I'm going to aim for the guy's eye or something like that." Because that's in pretty sure the hit locations are in book two. Yeah, but run it with the basic combat for a while, and then kind of look through the advanced combat section, and see, and you're going to kind of see stuff that you might want to introduce. Maybe you want to have some guy come up and says, "Oh no, he's aiming for your eye." Yeah, and you know it's, it's like, I don't know, like a neg seven or a neg ten or something like that to do that. But it's a bunch. It's a bunch. But um, that's the way I would start. Because that's how I started. I yeah. start, we, we, we read the rules as best and we could. And we didn't use a lot of the advanced stuff. And we played for a while. And I was reading the advanced rules I'm going. And then I would reread the other rules and go, oh, look, we did, we've been doing this wrong or we've been doing yeah. that wrong. And, and that's basically how Mook approaches it in How to Be a GURPS Team. Right. Is he starts with, here are the basics. And he's going to walk you through learning the new bits and pieces as you go. Uh, Bakamusha actually just uh, uh, mentions that they, they uh, one of the th- one of the nice things about GURPS is there are uh, adjustments you can make to the rules to make it either more gritty or more cinematic. For something like this, you yeah, he's right. Use them both. Right now, use the cinematic and the gritty stuff. Right now, mm. having talked about GURPS, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I approve GURPS for this game. Okay, I do want to say if. The way John Wick is presented as a movie, mm-hmm. I might actually lean towards Hero for this because, by its nature, Hero is a little more cinematic than yes, GURPS. I agree. And the movie is kind of that cinematic, little bit over the top action. There's it's a not thing as far it- as Feng Shui. No, right? Yeah. But it is. A, but it might be a little more than GURPS. Um, Either one is going to work beautifully mm-hmm. for it, um, and yes, you could do you could happily do it with Savage Worlds. You would have to du- turn some dials to get the kind of feel that John right. Wick has. Right. Um, now, uh, now uh, as far as what you need, if you're going to do this in GURPS, the only book I think you would well, there might be two. One of them I don't own, which is, a, and I'm pretty sure there's a fourth edition martial arts book. It might not be a. It might not be a book. It might be an online, because they have the. They have like. Uh, oh, wrong thing. They came out with, with not like full on books for certain things, but like uh, almost like pamphlet size things that they oh, okay. sell online, and they're not expensive. They're like like six or eight bucks rather than like you know forty dollars. It's not book. a full splat book, just a right. It, and I think they may have that. May be what they have for martial arts, but for weapons, and I think this is something that would be nice to have. If you're running a mo- any modern game, is to get high tech because mm. the high tech book, it's like revolvers. Here is an entire page of revolvers. 
Here is all of their stats, and they're all slightly different because they've done a bunch of research as far as ranges mm-hmm. and damage types and damage amounts and rates of fire and things. And, like well, that. it sounds like if he's doing something that's like spy or secret agent or super like you know SEAL team kind of stuff, and yeah, you want not just the guns but also just whatever equipment as far as listening devices. And it's got way and, more than just weapons in it. Yeah, it's exactly. Got a bunch right, of so other stuff in it as well. So, so he addressed one question I was going to ask, not being familiar with GURPS or the John Wick movies, like, well, how cinematic versus uh, gritty do you want? your game to be, you know, would groups work like you described. And then as you were talking, I had another thought is like maybe one way to do it is start them at like their training in whatever secret society agency they're in. So you start with the basic combat rules. Oh yeah, like, there like, you go. And like training apps. I'm not even just oh we're in the danger room, but they go out on low easy missions where it's basic combat. And then as mm-hmm. you get familiar with it, now they get set on the tougher missions where you have to be more specialized and therefore start using cool martial arts, hit you in the right nerve joint spot. Right thing and make it almost an in in character reason why they start with basic rules and then ramp up as they themselves gain more skills. Mm-hmm. And and it's also that's going to kind of introduce the learning curve of the game perhaps exactly, as well. Yeah. Now there is a GURPS martial arts book. It is a book by itself. I, I was thinking of something else. So okay, that might be something you might want to look at. There are basic martial arts rules in in GURPS and and there's basic equipment, weapons, and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you want to get more gun porn about it mm-hmm. then I would look at high tech because that's going to give you like yeah oh I want it I I want this g- specific gun with this ammo and this okay <laughs> here are the rules <clears throat> with here are the rules for exactly what you what you're using so <clears throat> that the, the f- for the kind of game you're talking about and I think that's pretty much all you'd need I don't think you'd need anything else because <clears throat> I mean setting wise it's modern day yeah so there you go Thank you. Who, who was that? Um, that was uh, the cool name. That was uh, oh, Golupshuus Geek. Geek. Thank you very much, Golupshuus Geek. You're if very someone in the chat room wants to look up Golupshuus and let us know what that <coughs> means, if it means anything, I'd be uh, curious. <laughs> next email, GM Lessons from Mode of Sin. Since you all seem to like German so much, I have included a few new words for you. Lesson one. Liba in oh, Team Dushan. One second. Nope. Uh, Jen Human says Palladium has a game Ninjas and Super Spies. And he says he's used that to run John Wick style games as well. So that's also something. All right. Play the ninjas and super spies. <clears throat> so let me say it again. Liba intim dushan, which means dear douchebags. I have gone on a long motive sin journey by listening to all available episodes back to back on my commute to and from work. Two hours per day, ten hours a week, so around three episodes weekly. A good way to really get into things. Oh, the constant forgetting of up-to-oh-so-basic rules. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, the copious spending of blood with magic refills when the next session starts. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, the little inconsistencies and plot lines not followed. Oh, me screaming, what the fuck is this not how it works about every second episode. But above all, oh, what fun. I have played a lot of Vampire World of Darkness games in the past, both as a player and as a GM. But listening to the actual plays has taught me a few things about improving my GM approach. Vampire, by the book, is about politics, the struggle between humanity and the beast, managing resources such as blood and willpower, keeping track of disciplines, specialties, natures, powers, and whatnots. Things can get thick and crunchy indeed. Just like scabbed over blood, yes. In contrast, the AP focused on the story and politics aspect while keeping all the rest to a minimum. 
using simple hunting rolls and occasional humanity checks, keeping combat short and simple, hand-waving small things even when mechanics exist. In my games, I was trying to give players the full experience all the time. Sires want this, clans want that. Feeding is a little adventure, sometimes with humanity questions. Frenzy, being the underdog amongst elders. Oh, and then the actual story. While this helped create a dense atmosphere, my games had a tendency to become thick and brooding, with player successes hard to achieve and never without a bittersweet taste. I feel there's a lot of blood metaphors in this whole description. Yes. <laughs> Motive Sin has inspired me to run a similar story-focused game, resulting in a faster pace, quicker story and character progression, more success opportunities, and less frustration. Thank you. Keep playing inspiring others. Or, put in other words in another German lesson at the end, Warum problem machen, wenn du kein problem hast du nicht machen willst. Which hopefully I said right. I'm sorry because I do not speak you, German. You Which means... Post. Why mm -hmm. problem make when you no problem have you don't want to make? There you go. Ah, Axel I love my from Germany. P.S. Will you make any of the Motif Sin GM materials available after the game ends? This would be a great resource for inspiration, i.e. stealing from. P.P.S. Essential German RPG term D20 equals W20. So I guess the W is the word for dice. Vinzig. Vinzig. And P.P.P.S. Trinken. I think that means drink. I would assume that means drink. So unfortunately, I don't see much of a question in here other than just he's very excited by the fact that... Well, the, well I'm trying to figure out if there's a way uh, without having to tr actually copy out page by page. Because, uh -huh. I mean, my modus in OneNote is huge. <laughs> yeah. Because I've been playing it for three years. And there are... Yes, it is a treasure trove of shit. Because there are so many plot threads that never got happened and never resolved that I wrote up a bunch of stuff that could happen mm -hmm. through it that you could easily lift and no one would even know that you'd stolen it because the party's like, oh, there's this thing, oh, that's very interesting. So anyway, back over to this. Jeez. Yeah, you could steal stuff out of it. Tons. There's so yeah. many plot hooks that either... I mean, does OneNote have an export feature? Uh, you can export I OneNote to PDF. Oh, you can. Okay, I'll do that. I, I will, I'll put it up. It'll be it'll be hysterical to, for people to read it. It can be a little tricky to get it to do the whole thing. Okay, uh, but I have done it. Okay, it's huge, and it's actually starting to like do. I'm starting to get errors in it. <laughs> I opened it on my uh, MacBook, and it had changed the names of all my pages. Oh, I hate that. Only temporarily to a different full. Same. It's, uh, it's all in my Moda Sin folder. Mm. Yeah, but. The categories or the tabs, it changed all of the names of my pages under one tab to the names of the pages under another tab. Yeah. My NPCs, it was my NPC page. All of my NPC names were session 23, session 24, uh. session 25. <laughs> so I'm like, what? And I clicked on one of them, and like, no, that's Caroline Osterman. What the hell is going on here? So, but yeah, I'll, I'll, if I can, I'll try the. Oh, shit. I'll try exporting it to a PDF and see if that if that works. If it does, I'll, I'll post it on the forum or something. Um, but yeah, there, there's so much stuff that never happened mm -hmm. because, especially near the end, the players had their own agendas, right? And and once they kind of got on a trail, my prep was: if there's a lull in the session, here's some things that might happen, right? 
Most of the time, I didn't have to do any of them. Yeah. So. There's like tails from oh, the side. Oh, your mic, that, that's, that crackle I just heard was that mic. Oh. Grab the next one over. Okay. Sorry. Oh. Did I pull a wire? You're on. Oh, I'm on the wire. Oh, that's brilliant. That'll do it. That'll, That'll do, do it. it. Do you still want me to switch out mics? Yeah, just put that one on because I already turned that one back on. Oh, okay. You, uh, uh, Jim, you want to unplug that one and I'll, I'll fix it. Check before, one, two, check one. You're good. All right. Turn five off. I think we may actually be okay with it. Oh wait. No, it's no. I just shut. I muted it. Okay. No, it was dead. It was. Do I need to take it off here? Let's let's take to the side. Ah. Well, just leave it. I'll just or put it so. Okay. There you go. I just want to make sure that I fix it before tomorrow because we're going to have a full table. Okay. Cool. I can rewire these things easy. But I actually have spares. And uh, by the way, if you. (laughs) Hello, Patreon supporters. If you well, (laughs) if you want to. Give Happy Jacks a Christmas present. There is a Happy Jacks Amazon wish list, <laughs> which includes microphones just like this, <laughs> because nice. we do go through them. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, he didn't really have any uh, other yeah. questions besides that. But yeah, I, I will put that stuff up. Um, and and I, I know I, I kind of I definitely took a kind of a different approach when I ran Vampire. Mm-hmm. As because it's kind of I, I I like to look at something and try to figure out a different way to a different way to do it. Right. You know what I mean. Right. And sometimes they work and sometimes they fail horribly. And I, th- I think I think well, the motive. I think in part you were responding to the players too. Yes. And to the things that were of interest to the players. Yes. Um, Absolutely. In the vampire game that Gene and I played in, we had much more of the. Dramatic elements of some of the things that Axel was talking about, mm-hmm. like going hunting, was not a trivial thing. Right, and it almost never, ever went right. Right, yeah, you, know, you get to feed, it just there was a problem. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, um, I snatched a homeless person to feed, turn around, and there's a fucker videotaping me. <laughs> So now I gotta kill somebody. So now I'm like, God damn it! Oh, give me that camera. <laughs> you know. Oh, it's it. Um, and then when I no, track, nowadays, when like I go to track him down, <laughs> right? When I go to track him down, turns out that my childhood friend, who didn't know I was was a vampire and thought I was dead, was his girlfriend. Oh, great! <laughs> and she recognizes me, and so you know things just spin, you know, spiral down the toilet um, until I ended up having to kill her twice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that sounds like that went more the vampire is a game of personal storytelling horror as it's, right. it is pitched to be. Yeah. Um, because you made her but, Prince of the Island, that's where you got the more political st- yeah. stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there were moments when uh, our storyteller backed off from that. Because the last session of the game, he let me wander around with an obfuscated flamethrower on my back. Right. Because I could obfuscate objects. Mm-hmm. And I had this flamethrower. And... I think if we were really going to going to get down to the nitty gritty of what the rules say, I shouldn't have even been able to go near that thing, knowing what it was, right? Because of you know the bane of fire, mm-hmm. you know. But it ended up saving my bacon in the last scene of the game. But you know, right? The the I mean, and, and so, sometimes vampire games can sort of be like. Superheroes all wearing black, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Yeah. And that's kind of what Moat was, but they weren't heroic. They weren't heroes at all. They were fuckers, mm-hmm. 
horrible, horrible people with their own. And and there was, near the end especially, I think there was a lot of personal drama within the characters themselves, especially like Ace's character. Ace's character. Max's character. Stork's character. Mm -hmm. Um, Not Riley. Riley is like, I don't mind being a vampire. I. I'm I, look fine with it. I look fabulous. <laughs> I look fabulous. I, look, I will clothes. look this fabulous forever. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the 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 end. I, I don't want to spoil anything. For those out there who have not listened to the last episode, skip ahead a minute, or you can plug your ears <laughs> if you fine. want. The game ends. Okay, is everyone skipping ahead? Don't stay. The game ends with everyone getting the fuck out. They didn't win anything. Yeah. They uh, they they got that one of the player characters basically basically betrayed everyone else mm-hmm. and yeah here comes the fucking army and they're like I'm, well we're going to Milan and we're running over here and we're leaving here and we're going over there and, and next, you can tell who would have gone to Milan yeah, right, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah we ended up the same way uh, uh, I remember Gina's character got on an airplane and was like I'm out right <laughs> and. Uh, one of the other characters was dead because I killed him, mm-hmm. um, and then another one left, and I was the only one who stayed. Right um, in Vegas, and uh, my whole character had had changed. Right at that point, and I had embraced the thing that was going to dry, ultimately drive me insane. Excellent. So, yeah. what so, are you going to do? Thank you, Axel. We appreciate the email. That's a good email. But yeah, I, I will. I'll put that up. I'll figure out where. Yeah, it's safe now. We're good. We're done. <laughs> <clears throat> Cool. Uh, a GM triumph confession. Not really sure. Sean from Seattle. So cool. Jim's turn. <clears throat> What's up, douchebags? I'm a fairly new listener to the show. Welcome to the show. Well, I've been hesitant to write in. Why? Mostly because I'm shy. Uh, I mean, new to the community, but also because uh, I don't need advice at the moment, and I'm not sure if any of my gaming stories are so good as to be worthy of sending in. Oh, we'll so find send out. Send them. <laughs> but with your calls for people to send in more emails, I figured I'd relate my first time ever running a game and how I learned both the value of uh, player choices and consequences in developing long-lasting memories, as well as the importance of establishing topics like tone with your players before even starting the game. Yes. I'm really not sure if I should call this story a triumph or a confession. I'll let you decide on that one. My first experience with D&D was as a player in 3.5, but I didn't like it very much. I I now know this was a GM-related issue, but at the time I thought tabletop games just weren't my thing. But when I later saw a group of playing AD&D 2nd Edition, I thought it looked like so much fun. I bought the books myself, got a group of people together, and prepared to run my own game. That's madness going out and buying an older version of a game. Well, Who does that? Potentially, they were on sale. I mean, maybe, oh, that's like, true. maybe that's they true. got them on discount. I've never heard of anyone found a used bookstore. I've never heard of anyone no. going backwards in editions. This is amazing. Well, I mean, yes, there's the whole retro... There's the whole retroclone thing, but... I mean, I'll admit I did that sort of when they came out with Revised World of Darkness way back when that I ended up buying up all the second edition books I didn't get on the cheap because they but they're had, all usable. But they're all usable. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not quite the second edition to third edition. It's like it's like Rev- playing GURPS fourth edition and going and buying a bunch of third edition yeah. supplements. They're still fine. It works fine. Yeah. But to actually say no. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy second edition GURPS in the little tinny box with the staple in the middle. That's me. That's what. I, that's amazing. I, I'm just. I've never heard of anyone doing this. I, I've heard of people saying, "No, I like playing second edition. I read the third edition rules. I didn't really like them. So we've been playing second edition for the last twenty years." That I totally back. get. That I totally get. But 
I'm verklempt. For the most part, the characters the players rolled up were unremarkable, except for one. A chaotic, evil human fighter with 1897 yeah! freakish strength <laughs> named Stanwith the Shady. A character whose backstory I still remember verbatim on account of it being two sentences long. Stanwith grew up on the wrong side of town. Now he travels the land, beating people up and occasionally stabbing them for money. It's a whole backstory. Okay. Uh, here we've reached the first GM decision point. Nowadays, I'd reject a character like this for a variety of reasons before they ever made it into play. I don't even allow evil characters anymore. But it was my first time GMing, and I didn't know what I was doing. So I allowed it. The first session came. The party started out in a tavern and soon heard rumor of my plot hook for the session. However, as the rest of the party left the tavern in pursuit of epic adventure, Stanwith lagged behind, and his player asked me if there were any gnomes in the tavern. I said, sure, why not? The player promptly announced he wanted to walk up to the nearest gnome and punt it as hard as he could. Are they are gnomes actually small enough to punt? Yes. I mean, See, they're, 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 they're smaller than dwarves. You can, you can roll them up into a soccer ball if you really tried. See, GURPS, GURPS gnomes are just, like, I mean, maybe that tall. You're not punting something that's three and a half feet tall. Well, I mean, well, they're three, three and a half feet tall. I mean, Stan with the Shady skinny. does have 18 slash 97 strength, so okay. arguably he's a big fucker. <laughs> Point taken. But are, are, are gnomes in D&D like lawn gnomes? No, no, they're, they're yay big, but, okay. they're, but they're spindly. Oh, see, GURPS gnomes are buff yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah, no, they're spindly. Okay. Uh, uh, but, uh, as far as good. That's punting. Here we've... <laughs> I'm giving them punting. <laughs> Here we've reached another GM decision point. Nowadays, I was I'd punting at night with a gnome. <laughs> Hunter. Sorry. <laughs> I'd probably stop the game for a moment to have a metagame conversation with this player. To warn them, I prefer running games with a decidedly not silly tone, and his character behaving like a cartoon villain and randomly beating up innocent civilians would click- quickly lead to unfortunate consequences. Instead, I told him to roll to hit, and he rolled a natural twenty. Yep. That would the, uh, that would that would that get would a, a no. Uh, even a gurps gnome. Even yes. a gurps gnome. Between rolling max damage on a critical hit, his absurd damage bonus, Excellent. and the gnome having one hit point, the numbers were looking pretty gruesome. Normally, unarmed attacks do non-lethal damage, but because the kick had dropped the gnome below negative ten hit points, I ruled it had been killed outright. Stanwith had shattered the gnome's skull and left its brains strewn across the tavern floor. See, the, that's the problem. You gave him what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. I'll, come, I'll, come back to this. I'll come back to this. Naturally, people didn't react kindly to this, but we're already over 500 words, so let's expedite the story a bit. Two guards became involved. Stanwith ran away. They chased after him, and he decided his only option was to draw his sword and kill both guards. He killed one, then ran from the other as more help began to arrive to put a stop to his to this lunatic. Eventually, a guard caught up to him and managed to stab him in the back. He fell to the ground unconscious and was arrested. He later woke up in a cell with stone walls and immediately attempted to bend the bars and lift the gate. He failed both rolls, so he announced he was going to punch a hole through one of the solid stone walls of his cell and walk out through it. Here is where we've reached another decision point. 
Not as important a decision as the first two, considering the character was slated to be executed the following morning and was probably a dead man short of the party mounting a heroic rescue attempt, which seemed unlikely considering the party had reached the consensus he was a madman and deserved whatever punishment he got. But it's a decision point all the same. Nowadays, <laughs> I'd probably take a moment to pause the game and inform the player that characters are generally bound by reasonable human limits and that even if... His strength was 18100. He's not punching a hole into a solid stone wall. Instead, I told him to roll to hit. He rolled a natural 20. <laughs> I thought this attack roll was so impressive, I ruled Sandwith broke three of his fingers punching the wall. Stanwith the Shady was executed the following morning as the rest of the party watched from the crowd and was soon replaced by Ed the Dandy. Punting the gnome became a timeless phrase among the members of my group, and this story became a go-to of ours whenever anyone asks about our experiences playing role-playing games. Stan with story is so legendary, I can't even remember the remaining three hours of the first session. <laughs> I know it involved goblins, I think a magic bow, and even the greatest story I could have possibly prepared wouldn't have stood a chance against the legend of Stan with the Shade. P.S. Wow. I wrote a wall of text there. I'm so close to hitting 1,000 words, I felt obligated to include this bit just to reach it. Feel free to save this email for a desperate hour when you really need a long story to pad out the show. Hey, we got just that. If you somehow manage to find something to discuss out of this, you might even get a solid 15 minutes from it. Good luck. Okay. I actually do have a couple of things. Okay. All right. All right. One of them is, I don't think any of the decisions that he made as a GM were necessarily bad ones. Yeah, I generally agree. Um, what I would say is that with action comes consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did that. Because yeah, breaking his fingers with his critical He broke his hit, fingers, right. you know, it's like, punching oh, you're going to punch a wall. Well, the stone doesn't take damage, so the damage has to go somewhere. That's right. <laughs> and that's your hand. Because, sorry, I don't care how strong you are, bone is softer than stone. Exactly. So, um, and Unless he had... Bruce Lee. Right. <laughs> and he had guards... <laughs> come to arrest Stanwith, and he had Stanwith executed. So I don't think he did anything wrong. I don't think... Well, I think the argument was, like you said, that initially allowing the concept as written, you're chaotic evil, and I'm trying to run a less not completely black-hearted campaign. Right. Oh, no, no, I, yeah, I get that. I do. Um, and my spin on this is, oh, you want to run a chaotic evil character. Talk to me about your chaotic evil character for a minute. What does that mean to you? Because what Stanwith was playing is not chaotic evil. What Stanwith is playing is chaotic stupid. Well, good. And <laughs> um, even someone who's who's thoroughgoing evil is going to have an under unless they're psychopath. And if they're a psychopath, that changes the equation a bit. Is going to have an understanding of ramifications of actions. Hmm. Okay, I could be thoroughgoing evil, totally self-serving. I don't care what happens to you, as long as it benefits me. Right. Okay, that's my definition of evil, by the way. Um, but I have an understanding of the ramifications of punting you in the middle of a tavern full of people. Sure. And that that's probably not going to end up going well right. for me. That's assuming you're playing a higher functioning psychopath. Right. And if I, and if as a player. <laughs> Who knows how to emulate and, right. being a, a And if as a player, a I think I can go punt that gnome across the room and 
not have anything bad happen to me as a result of it, I'm not playing chaotic evil. I'm playing chaotic stupid. Right. See, the, I, I read this character concept and I thought to myself, this is totally a lost, a lost opportunity. Because and and part of it comes down to the whole good evil dichotomy of D and D alignments, mm-hmm. which I don't agree with. I don't agree with either. I, I really don't like the alignment system in D and D. I've never liked it mm-hmm. because I because it, it literally creates black and white. Yeah. yeah, and and black and white to me is not that interesting. Gray is much more interesting. Sure. So. We'll talk about what's what I find more interesting in a minute. Carry on. But the, I mean, when I th- when I thought about that, I th- have you ever seen Ray Donovan? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Showtime. It's a Showtime H- show. Okay. Um, Liv Schreiber. He's a bad man. He's a bad. He's guy. a bad man. But he's got a family. He loves his family. He's not a psychopath or anything like no. that. He's not evil, but he does some bad shit. But he hides all of that bad shit that he does. At least spoilers. For the first few seasons of the of the right. series, from the rest of his family, sort of like, sort of like how uh, uh, Tony Soprano does the same thing with his wife and kids for the first several seasons. Right. Even of though his wife Sopranos. knows what he does, sure, but she's in she's in she's in denial. Exactly, right. And having a character like, okay, yes, I'm part of this party. We're heroic and doing this, but I'm a bad person. Uh-huh. I've done a lot of bad things, and I'm totally capable of doing bad things when I need to do bad things. Sure. That is such an awesome opportunity. That is a spectacular a opportunity. In a game. It reminds me of the Traveler game that Tappy ran, uh-huh. where Bill played a character who was a, like a yakuza, like crime lord, uh-huh. who doesn't let anyone know what he is, and he they go along, and there's this big reveal near the end of the game, where he like they go up someplace, and it's some uh, yakuza place they're trying to get into so he peels his shirt off and there's tattoos all over that no one's ever seen before right all this you know they have significance to these guys and they're like let him in and and, i mean the drama of that kind of story is fantastic i think yeah and there was such maybe it's the maybe the the player maybe he had that intention maybe he didn't Mm -hmm. but that's i think I, I think when when you play a game where there, where you have morality baked into the game where there's a line, mm-hmm. and if you're on this side of it you're good, and if you're on this side of it you're bad, right? It it affects our our thinking, our perception of mm-hmm. of how character of how people think, and our perception of the work. setting. Yeah, and it, I it think just it's bugs me. Yeah, I think it's much more interesting to set alignment aside and say, I'm a follower of the god of. You know, light and new beginnings, and I really hate undead. Right. Because my god really hates undead, because undead are anathema and blah, blah, blah. You're a necromancer? You deal in undead? You raise undead? We have a problem. Right. That is a much more interesting sure. dynamic. Absolutely. Than, I'm, ev- I'm good, you're evil. That's just... It's it's right. it's shallow pool, but then and then again, you may have the necromancer who got into necromancy because he wanted his family back and because they got slaughtered. Right, right. and then, then you're like, oh, I, I was I was I actually can't. playing a necromancer in a game, and somebody said, you know, being a necromancer is evil. I said, they're just spare parts. The person who who was in there is not in there anymore. It's a shell, and yeah. they're not using it. Right. 
It's not like I'm pulling their soul back into it. I can do that if you want. You know what? <laughs> but one could make the I, argument. I and it has. <laughs> <laughs> you want a toe? I can get you a toe. <laughs> <laughs> Nail polish and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you could make the argument that necromancy is very similar to organ donation. Yeah. Now, um, in, in terms of, pl- of of playing an evil character well, um, years ago in Dragon Magazine there was this article that came out, um, and it was a witch, and it was kind of a synthesis of magic user and cleric, and you know a little bit of other stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I had a player come to me and say, "I want to play one of these," and I went, "Okay, talk to me." And she said, okay, so uh, my character is a follower of Hecate. Mm-hmm. And to keep my powers... Or for those of us who like didn't know anything about that in the 70s when we were reading that, Hecate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said, so I have to make a human sacrifice once a month to keep my powers. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay. And so when she introduces the character, they said, so... so what do you do? She said, oh, I'm a seamstress. <laughs> and everywhere they went, she would buy cloth, she would make clothes, she would sell them, and things would come up. She fought for the party, she cast spells, she healed people. She, they couldn't figure out what she was. She thought They thought she was some bizarre cleric. Mm-hmm. Of, of, and what they didn't know about was the string of dead bodies in every town they had been in. <laughs> right. Because she kept it totally on the down low. Mm-hmm. Right. And when this got really beautiful, and I wish to God I had a recording of this, was when the authorities went, wait a minute, this town, that town, that town, that town. And the guy starts like looping the, the yarn around <laughs> exactly. the push pins. And, and, exactly. and, and, and it was these people who were in town. Right. And when the, when the authorities came calling and said, that one, right there. The beauty of it was, it was the paladin in the group that jumped up to defend her first. <laughs> it was beautiful. It That's was awesome. just a thing of beauty. And she had played it so well. And she had totally played the long game mm-hmm. about it. But That takes a lot of patience, a lot does. of control mm-hmm. and discipline but to be able to You do have that. to be smart about that. Because an evil person... I make these... I, I, I live with the belief that people who are evil... That I would call evil don't realize they're evil. Sure. Um, but even if somebody does realize that what they're doing is... Everyone's going to justify what they do. morally reprehensible, like, you know, making human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I think most people would probably un- accept that that's an evil thing. Uh, but they know that these people are useful to them. And they know that getting caught is going to be a bad thing. So they're not going to just randomly kill people for, for nothing. Right. You know, um, and and I think that's the thing. If somebody comes to me and says, "I want to play an evil character in a game," I'm going to want to know more than that. Sure. Before we we take that step. Right. Um, because I want to know what you want to do with it. I want to know where you're going to go with it, and I kind of want to have an idea of how you're planning to play it. Right. Um, and understand, you can do what you want. There are ramifications. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, James uh, James V. Nineteen seventy one. Alignments should only be guidelines for stories, in my humble opinion. Assistance to help with the motivations and objectives. Chris Perkins specifically said that they removed the detect alignment spells to make alignment less black and white. That's a good move. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I played a character 
years, years ago, who was a paladin, was a paladin of the god of law and justice, mm-hmm. right? So we go into the city, and as we're going through the city, the GM describes people that were obviously being held in slavery. Right. Okay, I mean, there was no question about that. And I know to be fact that what he wanted was for us to rise up and, you know, free the slaves. That was the idea behind the game. And one of the other characters looked at me and said, aren't you mad about this? I said, what? I said, there are people that are being held in slavery. And I turned to an NPC who was a shopkeeper. I said, is slavery legal here? And he said, yes, it so, is. So is this the God of law and justice or uh-huh. just the God of law? God of law and justice. Okay. And I, hang on, I'm coming to it. Hang on, I'm coming to it. Were they all criminals huh? <laughs> or something? Or uh, And I said, so is slavery legal here? And he said, yes, yes it is. And I went, okay. And I literally, I turned and I walked on my way. And the, the GM's going, and I said, my fucking plot hook, you asshole. And I said, I said, don't worry, I got this. I got this. And he went, okay. And I said, I'm going to the city to the city square because I want to find out who's, who's running the city. I want to find out about the government. And what we did, what I did was, I said about changing laws, <laughs> <laughs> and the GM was like, "God damn you!" And it was like, "I had a combat set up and everything." God of law and justice. Uh, Flying Jackalope said, "The sun god needs to be fed." Jib, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> blood for the blood god. That's true. So it's a little tangential, but uh, we do have necromancy in dying kingdoms. Um, but the thing is, that is actually the most efficient healing magic. Uh, you know, I mean, yes, they can raise zombies, but they get the healing spells earlier and oh, they are really? the most efficient. Like, they're the ones who are best at resurrections. Well, okay. So, ne- is, uh, is necromancy not the manipulation of life energy? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, as, but the thing is, I think also, it depends on the science behind necromancy. Yeah, well, well but the, like, it, in the thing is, there is, there is like, Decorate spells, but some of them are corrupt. So you're doing things that is like, okay, yeah, this, this spell raises a zombie, this spell, you know, t- forces a spirit to follow my command. Those are corrupt and can get you points of taint, similar to the like, taint from Le- Legends of Five Rings. And so it is the most efficient healing magic, but it is also the most dangerous because each time you go up a level, you get a point of taint, and as you get higher, you start you know, getting a little more insane, and so that's why you get you know eventually next, the crazy. Next thing, you have so much taint, you can't get your pants on. <laughs> <laughs> then you gotta I'm get sorry. somebody to work I'm on your taint <laughs> Then you have to have a taintectomy <laughs> so, you know, But there have been a history of some nasty bad necromancers But then you kind of want to have one that's your friend too now, is, is, is Dying Kingdoms I, w- I would is it, is it Generally a PvP game Where there are no. factions that fight each uh, other No it, it is it's very uh, PvE so yeah, okay. so yeah. The, the, I mean, they're obviously the fact our PCs should work together against some enemy or group of enemies uh, right. that are fighting against them. Are they, how many? Like, uh, what, what, when you play an actual LARP, how many players do you have typically? Uh, well, let's see. Our last camper, I believe we had somewhere between sixty and seventy actual. Holy players. shit! How many GMs do you have? Um, currently, well. Six total. Uh, four of us are more full time, and two uh, that are uh, Jesse, who originally wrote the game, is still sort of part time GM. And his that's ten players for GM. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, like at this event, is like three to four usually actively running stuff, okay. and so but holy then, metric, that's yeah, huge. No, it's, it's 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 big. <laughs> wow. So how many? So, but you you've got to have multiple scenarios going on. 
We, you, you try to. I mean, you want to have. Um, I mean, you want to have some of the like what you might call a scene in your tabletop. We usually call mods. So some of them are like, okay, this is the big mod where they're gonna want them all to go out as, to go fight some bad guys. And then you have like smaller ones at other times of the day where maybe you take a few people here. Maybe someone's going to go do their ordeal, become higher in fire magic, and they'll bring a few friends with them to help them with that. Mm-hmm. You know, or smaller side quests. But so you have a combination. And ideally, when you have like say a mod going on that's not a full. PC based mod You also want to have some NPCs just to go Interact with them Back at wherever The PC camp is right. To do the RP stuff While they're you know While you're smaller group, Maybe you're What do you do about NPCs? Um, well, so especially with a game With 60 You're not so going to find 60 NPCs No no So so that's an excellent question So we did Funny thing We did just have Our big finale game uh, The weekend before Thanksgiving um, so normally, I mean, we ask people to come NPC, and normally we get maybe ten if we're lucky full timers. So sure. what we do is we have shifts. So PCs sign up ahead of time for like, okay, on this shift, I will come be an NPC. So you get oh, so okay. like, there's about like five or six shifts over the course of the weekend. So you get like the oh, my character helps. is in the in the yeah, and like, dysentery, I'm dysentery, or like I, I went out to go find some herbs, and I'll right. come back in a couple hours. So right. you do shifts that helps us balance right. the numbers because obviously when you have a live com- a game with live combat, you do need at least a little closer numbers, you know. To have the combat actually be potentially dangerous for the is it PCs. buffer larp? It is a buffer larp. Oh, it is. So you, yeah, you need people. You, 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 you need, need, you need yeah. people. So, but for this last uh, camper, we said I had sixty to seventy PCs. Uh, we managed to get thirty uh, NPCs coming out. So I had, oh, a, so shit. I was actually able wow. to cancel my shifts for that camper. Wow. So people didn't have to take shifts. No, I don't know if you want to disclose this, but where, where, where did you do the camper? Oh no, that's, that's fine. It's uh, Verdugo Oaks, the Boy Scout camp. It's up, uh, up in Castaic. Up okay, five. Yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just it's a campground. It's not like it's a, it's a secret. You know, it's right. Um, uh, well, I don't know if you wanted to. People crashing your thing. Oh well, well, I mean, it's, we we don't have it. All. It, it, we don't have it there all the time. So right. it's okay. like you know, it, it changes whatever sites we can rent. So um, in fact, we haven't been to that one for a while. So it was good to be back. So I think one of the things that helped us with that one is that site's got like a bunkhouse and stuff, and some platform tents with cots. So the PCs all had to bring their tents. But I said, hey, if it's your first time wanting to come to LARP and you don't have camping gear, you don't need it for this game. I have a bunkhouse for you. So just bring your sleeping bags and pillows, some food for yourself, and some basic right. relax, and you can come in. Yeah, those platforms that they have tents. So they like they, 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 some of them were like the big army tents where it's two cots and it's a platform to throw on. So they have those. Yeah, I've been to that camp. You've been to that camp. Oh, yeah. Well, so yeah. I, I do kind of like that one because they give us the medical cabin for the plot team. So, like, I'm in there with, oh, I've got a shower, I've got a mini fridge, I've got a bed. Right. <laughs> so I'm glamping myself right. in the back. And, right. and, you know, but we had the bunkhouse in the back half that we put the NPCs for staging. <laughs> but because of that, I got a lot of new people who were brand new want to try it out. And then we also. It was the finale of an arc, so our, my Adam, who had just stepped down from being plot, but this was kind of his brainchild, this most recent arc, um, had talked to various people who don't play our game necessarily, but are in this community that's on there, because there's like four or five different LARPs around of a similar style. So he got, oh, I'm going to cast you as this major NPC for the final fight, and you this major NPC. So we had like 10 or 11 uh, people who had roles already who are also experienced LARPers and know what they're doing, and, right. Uh, right. and, can, and bring more and help us out backstage too. And stuff. So yeah, it went really well, partially because I had that many uh, cast characters. Cool. So this this was a two day thing. Yeah, we start Friday night and then we pack out on Sundays. But it, it game oh, itself so actually three days. Well, I mean, we we don't game on Sunday. Okay. Sunday's pack out, so it's, it's Friday night and then all day Saturday. Uh, okay. Until until till the evening when okay, you finally finish the big climactic thing. You now can drink a little. Right. <laughs> you know, like there's sort of a thing. Like we let them know sort of our picture. By the way, we don't have to worry about fighting because you can't. Buffer fight when you had a drink. We have that rule in the game. That's for smart. safety. That's, that's smart. <laughs> it's a smart rule for the safety. SCA never listened to that rule. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> well, so we, we uh, for safety reasons, uh, because we don't want our insurance to go up. So we like you know. So then we let them know when. Okay, don't worry, we're not going to attack you anymore. You guys can crack out your beers. Um, How much is the insurance for something like that? It's um, got to be expensive. Uh, I, I'm not on the board, so I don't know the actual money. Um, I know that years ago when we rented the Cronenberg site, um, I because I actually knew uh, Tom who passed away recently. Right. Um, uh, I worked for an affair, so actually they right. sent me to be the negotiator because I know him already. Um, so he said you had to have a million dollar insurance policy, like to cover a million. And from I went back to the board and said that's like, oh yeah, that's what we usually get. So I don't know what the actual cost to us to get it, but they have a usual event insurance provider that they go to. On a there, there was a period of time when they asked uh, some stage acts at fair to mm-hmm. get their own insurance. <laughs> for the audience, oh, which is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And I priced it out, and it priced us out of working at fair. And oh, I man. called, I called up our, our our entertainment director at the time, and I'm like, um, "You don't pay us enough, and we don't sell enough CDs on top of it per day mm-hmm. to cover what the insurance is going to cost." Yeah, because the insurance was thirteen hundred dollars a day. Wow. Okay. No, right, well, no. so I'm pretty sure yeah. ours is not that much. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a deal breaker. We can't do it. If we have to do that, we're not going to be here. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I well, from that, I'm certain as for how much we've charged PCs to come, and I know part of that fee covers not just site fees, but also the insurance. And I'm sure ours is not that expensive. And um, well, insurance is in, in California. Insurance is, is expensive. Yeah. So, but yep. I mean, I mean, I mean it's, it's like a per event thing. So it's not a country. I mean, it might be that um, we don't allow minors. Because uh, I know if we had alcohol and minors, that would bump the insurance up. Oh, sure. So Absolutely. that might be one reason we cut it down. Where it's at fair, you do have minors, and that probably is and yeah, you have alcohol all the time. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, I, yeah it's. I don't know. They, they, there, they, there's all kinds of companies now. They weren't back then that specialize in special event insurance. Mm-hmm. They're made for reenactors yeah. and stuff like that. That didn't really. I don't know if it existed back then. Maybe not. Yeah. No. No. What does it cost? Like, if you go to the camper LARP. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a fee I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we we, we pay the site. Depends on the site you use as whether they because there usually but, is at least a. Flat and how much fee. do you charge attendees? Yeah. Um. So our PC is usually fifty to sixty. Um. Usually it's fifty if you prepay, and then we charge you sixty if you don't pay till the actual event. Because right. there's a point where the deposits do. So it's like if you pre pay us ahead of time, we ten dollars off, but then we it can d- cover d- it. Not coming out of someone's pocket. Yeah, yeah. We. I mean, the nice thing is the it's, the game's around long enough that Dying Kingdoms actually is an LLC. So there's a Dying Kingdoms account that we have enough to yes, we we're not gonna go red on us as long as people. People, you know, pay like they're supposed to pay. That we're fine, right? Um, but yeah, you pay for the side fees. Depending on the side, sometimes there's a per head fee. So maybe like once you get above like the base fee, like this fee covers twenty people. And then when you go by that, each one has a head. So part of it too is usually we'll charge our NPCs ten dollars uh, just to cover that basic you know per head right. insurance stuff. Again, we, we we had enough people coming that said, "Hey, Rob, can I have my NPCs be free for this?" Well, he said, "Sure." You know, we, right. we we have a budget to cover that. So I'm like, "Okay, good." So that helped too get my numbers up and to cool. And stuff, and so. I'm assuming people are feeding themselves. Yeah, for that yeah you probably don't food. Some, sometimes someone will volunteer to do a food plan. Like Scabby Rooster is going to have a food plan. If you give me twenty bucks for the weekend, I will have food for you. Whoever right. buys in can get the food, but that is optional. I think a lot of people will get their small groups. So, right. like, you know, yeah. oh, hey, okay, here's my little group of PCs. I tend to hang out with a lot anyway. We're going to get together and together. buy food together and, right. yeah. and set it up and okay. such. That's fascinating. I'm still, I'm still LARP curious. Haven't, haven't done it. Yeah, Gina and I have talked about going and playing, but it's just like finding time. Yeah, yeah, I know. To do it's, it. I mean, definitely the, the suggestion would be if you find something where you can go as an NPC, just to, uh, that's a way to try it out without as much of a personal investment. Right. Because even that, like, let's say you can't make the whole week, and you could just come for the Saturday. Right. You know, as an NPC, and just say, I'm sorry, I couldn't make Friday, but here I am. I'm here. I'll spend the day 
yeah. being a monster. So you got sixty PCs in a player versus environment game. You got a lot of NPCs. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. and, I mean, like one thing, like in bigger fights, it's respawns. You're like, okay, so you have your BBGs will only have one life, but your lower crunchy front lines when they die, you say, okay, go back over there. Someone's over there will tell you, okay, right. I'm dead. I'm gonna go back to the Cut yourself back in. Three, two, one, go. You, got, right. you know, and then a group will come in. That's kind of how you balance the fight, uh, right? Because otherwise they always lose. You want a, that good threat of you don't want the PCs all die, but you want them to think they're going to is the ideal, absolutely, <laughs> you absolutely. know, edge of your seat kind of fight, and and we uh, yep. we manage that. That was awesome. Cool. Okay. Let's. I'm going to call it then. We're we done. Yeah, I think we're done. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. So yeah, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> we're Thank you for joining us for Season 20, Episode 18. 18. 18. 18. Of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Jim. And I'm Edward. And we'll see you again next week. Don't forget, tomorrow we've got uh, One Shot Saturday, uh, L5R on Sunday. What's Monday's game? You know? Tuesday's? Wednesday's? Well, Wednesday's going to be Razor Ridge. Razor Ridge on Wednesday. Uh, Monday, Interpol X? Interpol X on Monday, maybe. Check the schedule. Check... HappyJacks.org slash schedule, or if you're in the UK, schedule. <laughs> Thank you For very Bill. much. <laughs> we'll leave you with a song. Now 
if anyone can save me, it's my brother in the army. And I think that he is stationed in Cork or in Killarney. And when we get outside, we'll go roving through Kilkenny. And I'm sure he'll treat me better than the only sporting Jenny. We're sharing a mother of the dark. There's some mistakes delight in the fishing and the bowling And there's others takes delight in the carriage gently rolling But me, I takes delight in the juice of the barley And courting pretty ladies in the morning bright and early When me Johnny was sleeping, and I got up in me bed close to the house, I was a creeping. It's shooting on the ding on the Deception I did cover And he bid me Johnny farewell For me heart still called him lover They captured my poor Johnny And now he lies in prison And they say my name he curses But at least my husband's living of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.